0: Hey guys, welcome back to History for Humanity, where we're going to be discussing AP World History Review. And right now, we're going to discuss Unit 4. I hope you enjoy, and let's get right into it. Okay, so Unit 4 is a lot about exploration. Before we get there, we're going to talk about some technological innovations. So during this time, we see Europe become more involved in trade. So Europe, like, they're waking up or whatever. They're starting to be like, oh, we need to level up. But we know that they leveled up a little too far. So inventions that come from parts of so that came from parts of Asia and Islamic rule were later developed by the Europeans to benefit trade. Inventions like the compass, caravel, astrolabe, and Latin sails were all further developed and utilized by Europeans to improve long-distance navigation. As the sixteenth century approached, Europeans became more interested in trade routes like the Indian Ocean, and due to Columbus' discovery of the Americas, Europe became the way for Afro-Eurasia and the Americas to connect. This helped empires like England, Spain, and Portugal to establish themselves as maritime empires. We see these countries start to develop their technology that was a mixture of Greek, Asian, and Islamic efforts. Al-Andalus, which is now present-day Spain, was key in helping spread Islamic ideas to the rest of Europe. Before this time, Europe was not really involved in trade, but with the help of people like Prince Henry the Navigator, who founded a school for navigation and funded many expeditions, trade became more sought after with the rest of Europe. But something about Prince Henry, he would not literally—he would not get on the boat and travel to the Americas. I don't know why they gave him that name. Literally, he just made a school. That's it. I mean, yeah, pretty cool, but at least do some exploring. Make your name proud. But anyways. Advancements in astronomical charts allowed for sailors to navigate more confidently since their charts were more accurate. Because of the rise in technology, it was easier for Europe to rapidly expand and participate more in global trade which allowed for quicker trade and more goods to be traded and also heavier cargo. The introduction of gunpowder from China was also, like, extremely helpful to the Europeans, especially during their time of conquest. Okay, guys, so I'm sorry for, like, the helicopter in the background, but let's talk about exploration, causes, and events. So exploration was just starting to gain traction in Europe. Their desire to obtain spices and other goods from Asia was one of the key motivations behind it. You can remember the reasons with God, gold, and glory. Conquest resulted in more wealth for European countries like gold and silver, which helped mercantilism. And mercantilism was basically when countries tried to sell as many goods as possible, but by the least amount because of the belief that there was a set amount of wealth, and to become more wealthy, you had to have more of that set amount, you know, of that gold and silver. And during this time, religion, specifically Christianity, sought to convert the indigenous people since it was considered you know, Christian duty to seek new converts. But like I said before, Portugal in the beginning was the leader of exploration. They had produced explorers like Bartholomew Diaz, who traveled around the Cape of Good Hope and stopped going eastward because of fear of mutiny. We also see Vasco de Gama, who landed in India and claimed some land for Portugal. The Portuguese had control over trade in African and Indian coasts and ensured their control through the building of outposts and to establish monopolies. The first to travel around the globe goes to Spain, with the travels of Ferdinand Magellan when they sponsored Columbus, and when they sponsored Columbus Expedition. It attracted European countries, mainly because they had seen the wealth of the Aztec and In- Inca empires, and they're like, you know what, let's snatch that. But we also see France, and they want to take a look for themselves, so they sent Jack Cartier on the search for a Northwest Passage, which is a sea route between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, to get to the Arctic Ocean. And ended up sailing to the u.s northern border and claimed part of canada for france they also sent samuel de champlain who realized america had lots of resources meaning going to asia was pointless at this point if they were gonna go to america instead so they established the colony of quebec where instead of finding gold they found profitability in the fur trade it is also important to understand that the french had better relations with the native americans Because instead of being greedy and demanding for land, they actually cheered with them. They actually built a relationship, and they were not going to be like, give me this, give me that. But let's move on to England for a bit, where they sent John Cabot to also find the Northwest Passage. But instead, he found Newfoundland. Newfoundland? Newfoundland? Really creative, I guess. And he claimed some lands for England. The turning point for England, is when it came to land, was their defeat of the Spanish Armada. Spain's naval fleet, which allowed England to expand their colonies. At the same time that Quebec was being colonized, the English founded Jamestown, England's first successful colony, and was named after the king, King James I. But a quick fact was that the first English settlement was actually Roanoke, but somehow it disappeared and the people were never found again. But, anyways, let's move on to the Netherlands. They sent Henry Hudson to see if the Hudson River led to Asia and although he failed, he claimed land for the Dutch and established New Amsterdam, which prospered because of its location. Okay guys, we finally made it to Columbus because he discovered, you know, he connected the western and eastern hemispheres. This is why he has an exchange named after him called the Columbian Exchange. So this is mostly recognized for its negative effects because when when Europeans first got into contact with the Native Americans, it was detrimental for the native population. Europeans brought many diseases like smallpox, malaria, influenza, and measles, which killed 50% of the Native American population in less than a century. Because of this exchange, we also see exchanges of crops and livestock. This led to better nutrition worldwide, with countries adopting their staple foods. And if you don't remember, more food equals more people. Now let's talk about how some of the Western foods went to the Eastern Hemisphere. So from Western to Eastern, maize, tomatoes, cocoa, which is like chocolate, and turkey. And then from east to west, we see coffee, citrus fruits, livestock like pigs and horses, and grains like wheat and barley. We also see the rise of the transatlantic slave trade, where millions of Africans were enslaved to meet the demand of cultivating cash crops like sugar and tobacco. Enslavement of African people led to African diaspora, where African culture merged with that of the Europeans. The creation of the language Creole, the banjo, and music styles like the blues and rock was you know, because of that. And we also see another negative result from the Colombian exchange, which was the harm on the environment. Europeans used the land more intensely and lived in denser populations, which caused deforestation, soil depletion, and a strain on water and food resources. Okay, now we're going to talk about some beef, right? Some beef with Europe, but we're also going to talk a little bit about Japan, but let's get started. So Europe began to gain interest in East and Western Africa and started to create inroads with the permission of the local rulers. Even though we see Europe becoming more involved with trade, Japan actually starts to limit their involvement. They limited foreign influences and banned its citizens to travel outside the country, which isolated Japan for a long time. Not only did Japan do this, but China as well, who later reversed this and reestablished their role in global trade. But now let's talk about the beef, you know, the tea, about the land, okay? So we're gonna talk about Spain and Portugal first. So they had a lot of problems. So you know they're like making up and they're like, okay, let's make this treaty of the CS. So essentially Spain gained all the land to the west of the meridian running through South America and Portugal had all the land to the east. We also see Britain versus France. And because of the land disputes they lack they like they would not make up. They just made a war called the French and Indian War. It was Britain against the French and Native Americans like the Iroquois. Britain won and drove out the French from Canada. But let's bounce back to Spain. So we should discuss how they maintained their power. So they established encomiendas, in which encomenderos forced the indigenous people into coercive labor. One way the crown rewarded the conquistadores by was by giving them grants of land that they could grow food, and this established the Hacienda system. Because the conquistadors had children with native women, they had developed a social hierarchy. So, we see at the top, the peninsulares, which were Spanish born in Spain. So, both parents were from Spain. They were born in Spain, sorry. I was talking about Creoles, right? The Creoles, they were born in America to Spanish parents. But the peninsulares, the top, the top, they were born in Spain and they're Spanish and they came to the Americas. Then, after Creoles, we see Mestizos, which were Europeans and Native descent. We see Mulattoes, European and African descent. Then we see Africans, and then we see Native Americans. Now, this system created social hierarchies and lots of social division and later conflict. So, the journey to the Americas was one of the worst experiences enslaved people went through, which resulted in lots of death. This journey was known as the Middle Passage, where captured slaves were crammed to get to the Americas. And although there were many uprisings, many were not successful. The demand for slave labor had changed the demographic of Africa. There were more men being taken, meaning there are more women in Africa. This resulted in polygamy becoming more common. Okay, let's go on back to maritime empires. We're going to talk... Um, A lot about war and a bit, or just conflicts in general. So let's start off with the commercial revolution, which was not really a war, but it affected everyone around the globe. The key factors that drove the revolution were the development of European colonies, new trade routes in the Atlantic and Pacific, population growth, and inflation. One thing to remember is that because of inflation, there was a dramatic increase in prices that was known as the price revolution, and was paving the path for the future revolution to come. Because of the rise in the global economy, joint stock companies were formed to share risk and hopefully profit. This this resulted in companies like the East India and Dutch East India companies, which also leads to the present-day stock market. The Dutch were the ones who most profited from this, while England and France, who invested a lot of money, were into financial bubbles that promised a return of investment, but they weren't successful, which led many to bankruptcy. So... If someone says, yeah, this is is what you're going to get, you have to run the other way. Just do it. I mean, just saying, this is not financial advice, though. But that's what I heard, okay? But we also see a rise in triangular trade, which is known for having three key destinations where raw and manufactured goods along with slaves are traded. So let's talk about some of the effects. We see the Atlantic slave trade. Africa, they had less people meaning less economic productivity and violence, but there were some groups of people, like the Dahomey and Oyo, who became rich from capturing and selling slaves to the Europeans. You also see Native Americans. We're gonna talk about the Native Americans in Spain, who were governed by viceroys, who were controlled by audiencias to keep them in check. They lost a lot of their culture due to the burning and destroying of their books, leaving historians with few sources from indigenous perspective on the arrival of the Europeans. So, when we look back to the Americas and Spain, we don't really have a lot of sources. We usually have to look at it from the Europeans' perspective, from the Spaniards' perspective, because the Europeans burned everything. So, the Creoles, they liked their high standing, but they would also be the ones to achieve independence from the Spanish crown. You have to remember that. We also see belief systems. There are new immersions of religion because of indigenous, African, and European interactions. So, let's talk about some of them. So we see Santaria, which is a merge of West Africa and Roman Catholicism, and means Way of the Saints. We also see Vodun, which is West African Spiritualism in the Caribbean, and means Spirit or Deity. We also see, I'm sorry for the pronunciations, candomble which is a mixture of Bantu beliefs that developed in Brazil, and means dance to honor the gods. And the last one is La Virgen de Guadalupe, which if you know the show, you should know who this lady is. So... Virgen bit Guadalupe, the Virgin Mary, but it's a mixture of indigenous beliefs and Catholicism, and is known to perform miracles. You know, she's known to perform miracles. Miracles, sorry. So, that's pretty much what happened with the effects of the triangular trade. Okay, we made it to the final part of Unit 4 where we're actually going to get to, like, conflicts. So, this is basically called, like, internal and external challenges to state power. We're going to see a lot of disputes between people and nations. So, let's talk about you know, up first we see Queen Anna Zinga versus the Portuguese. Okay, so the Queen of present day Angola, which is Queen Zinga, Queen Anna Zinga, saw the threat that the English and Dutch settlers faced. So she decided to form an alliance with the Portuguese for protection. The Portuguese was like, Ooh, you know, we're gonna cut that off. And they forced her and her people to flee and take over Matamba. But you know what? She's like, No, you did not just do that to me. So to take back control of her land, she created a rebellion and instead allied with the Dutch to drive out the Portuguese. She promised the enslaved people freedom and succeeded in her plan, leaving her to rule for decades to come. Now, what about Russia? We haven't talked about Russia in a bit, but we're going to see serfs versus Russia. Now, serfs had been oppressed for a long time, and when there were harsher policies put in place, they, along with the help of the Cossacks, attempted to rebel against Catherine the Great. But failed to do so, causing more oppression to peasants and increase in noble support to prevent these types of rebellions. Let's talk about the, Mar- the Maratha versus the Mughal Empire. The Maratha were Hindu warriors who didn't want to be ruled over Islamic rule, and they rebelled against the Mughals and established the Maratha Empire that ended Mughal rule. We also see the Pueblos versus Spanish. This one was the Pueblo Revolt, where the Pueblo and Apache indigenous groups fought colonizers to end their forced conversion to Christianity in 1680. They succeeded until they were reconquered by the Spanish in 1692. Okay, I'm sorry for this pronunciation. The Gloucester, Gloucester, Gloucester County Rebellion. So this is where, where slaves and indentured servants rebelled to get their freedom from the governor of Virginia. They didn't win because they got caught. Somebody, I guess, snitched. And the see, Metacom's War. This was the final effort of the indigenous people to drive out the British, and some native groups actually sided with the English. And is known as the deadliest war in American history in regards with the population at the time. And the last thing we're going to talk about, the last conflict, is called the Glorious Revolution. It's it was also a bloodless revolution because it just it was a lot of religious tension because British par- Parliament passed a law forbidding Catholics to rule over England. Now, those are all the conflicts you need to know for Unit 4, and I hope that you learned the, the gist that empires were developing, and they were using, they were trying to, you know, get bigger. We see lots of colonization, lots of exploration, and how that caused some conflicts, and that's pretty much the gist of Unit 4. Now, I hope you enjoyed, and I'll hopefully see you next time for Unit 5.